Well, good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody this morning. Um, we're going to be in First uh, Peter chapter 3. And so with that, I would like to um, share a, uh, a poem that was written by Annie Johnson Flint. Uh, in this poem, it speaks of the husbandman and the vineyard and how the husbandman goes through the vineyard to produce more fruit. And what he does to the vineyard is that he puts the knife to the vines so that it will bear much fruit. I used to work in vineyards out in California, and we used to go through and prune the vineyards. And the more that they were pruned, the greater the, the produce in the time of season. But here's, here's what she wrote, and it's, uh, Susie and I have just been just sensing this big time in our own personal lives. And I thought, well, you know, if I'm experiencing it, I'm sure that all the rest of us may be too. So it says, and she says, it is the branch that bears the fruit that feels the knife to prune it for a larger growth, a fuller life. Though every budding twig be lopped and every grace of swaying tendril springing leaf be a, lo a space, a lost space, O thou whose life of joy seems reft, of beauty shorn, whose aspirations lie in dust, all bruised and torn, rejoice thou, each desire, each dream, each hope of thine shall fall and fade. It is, it is the hand of love divine that holds the knife, that cuts and breaks and tenderest touch, that thou whose life has borne some fruit may now bear much more. Wow, and I just, uh, it's so something that I feel that we may have all been experiencing in the hurt and just the brokenness. And I just feel that the Lord is, wants to heal, wants to continue to heal, wants to continue to come. Because I, I remember in dealing with the vines, <clears throat> they would be bruised, they would be broken, they would be hurt. And I I look at the vine and I was thinking, you know, if that had feelings, what would it feel like with the knife that would come in and cut that vine? And so I pray for the Lord that he would come and he would bind our hearts in his love for his purpose so that we can see the great fruit of the kingdom of God that he wants to produce in us, that it would be the love, joy, peace, meekness, mildness, long-suffering, temperance, self-control, those things. Those are the things, are the fruits of the Spirit that the Lord wants to produce in us and grow in us and that they would be evident, not just to us, but to the whole world. Right on. Praise God. We bless God. We bless God. Lord, we thank you again this morning, Lord, that we can hear from our brother Peter and what he has to say to us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, we ask that you would teach us and guide us by your Spirit now in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, <clears throat> when we... When we search the scriptures, you know, we expect to receive uh, spiritual application, practical application for our lives. And that's why it's called the Bible, is because it's applicable to not only spiritual, but also to practical. Now, in the last part of chapter 2, Peter, he talked about uh, common relationships of the day between uh, 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 slaves and their owners and during this Roman Empire during that time it was one of the common common practices of the day and now here in chapter uh, three he's going to deal with another 
type of relationship, a personal relationship that many of us all really experience, and that is between a husband and a wife. And he uses a, a hypothetical situation about uh, a life of a believing wife and an unbelieving husband in here and how this applies. And we see that, you know, a lot today in that. See, in those days, it wasn't uncommon for the wife to first come to Christ and to come, and sa- come to saving knowledge of, of, her, of her Savior. And, but we also know that the Bible is clear that we're not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. So marriage is to be set apart for believer with believer. But that doesn't always work out, doesn't always happen. And I said that all to set the stage for this. If it's the wife who first comes to Christ and her, stu- her husband is still on the outside, <clears throat> what is she supposed to do? How is she supposed to respond to her husband? How is she supposed to act around him? And so Peter addresses this, excuse me, everyone. He says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. He begins his admonition here to the women, to the wives, Wives, likewise. Well, the question is, likewise what? What's he talking about? Well, you have to look back at the previous verse of the last, or the last verse of the previous chapter. And he says there in chapter 1, verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 25, For you were like sheep going astray, but now have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. He's talking about sheep here. And he's talking about sheep being protected. So that's the context that he's using here. I heard David Hawking one time. He went went up to a Bedouin shepherd. And he asked the shepherd, Is it true that the sheep only hear the shepherd's voice? And the shepherd said, Yes, it's true. It's only the sheep will go and know that shepherd's voice. And he asked him, he says, Well, can I try? Can I see if they will come if I call them? He says, Yeah, go ahead and try. So he calls the sheep and he's calling to the sheep and they didn't respond. Soon as he finishes, the shepherd goes, okay, watch this. He calls the sheep, and guess what happened? The sheep came running. They come, and you know the reason why? It's because they sense the security of the shepherd. They hear his voice. And Jesus, he said this in John 10, 4. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We know that Jesus said this of the sheep. My sheep hear me and they know my voice. There's a spiritual connection. Uh, my, his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons and daughters of God. So when the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we hear his voice speaking, there's something that takes place with us. We go, that's the shepherd. We recognize it's the shepherd. Now, somebody can come in like David tried to talk to the sheep. And they didn't respond. Somebody else can try to come in and they don't respond in the things of the spirit, but they respond in the things of the flesh. The sheep are going to go, hmm, that's not him. That's not him. That's not my master. That's not my shepherd. That's not from him. The sheep, they hear his voice and they fall and they follow him. So Peter, in relationship to this, when he, he, when he said to them, for you were like sheep gone astray, have to return to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Peter's relating this to the wives 
that as you're a saved wife, that you're to be submitted to your husband. Even though he's not saved, submit to him. The reason why for that is that God has assigned him to be the protector of your life. He's put there, even though he hasn't heard the shepherd's voice yet. He's there to protect you. Now, say a, a marriage starts out, each one being unsaved, you know, they're unsaved. And the wife comes to Christ and she gets saved. Her salvation will put a strain on the marriage. And the reason why is because she wants to share her newfound joy with her husband, but she only finds that it irritates him. It, it really can make him mad. It can make him upset, you know, because she's all excited about this wonderful joy and love and peace that she's found. And she wants her husband to have it, too. But all it does is irritate him. It just makes him mad. She tries to change him. Wives, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Don't try to change him. God is the one who does the changing. She goes around. She turns on Christian music. She's got a sermon blurring in the background. And everything's going like, and she goes, why isn't he hearing? Why doesn't he hear him? Only to find that it's making him more mad. Peter didn't say that. What did he say? He said, submit to your husband. Make him feel like he's your hero. Make him feel like he's your hero. Make him feel like he's protecting you. Because that's what he is doing. Love him. Honor him. Give him respect. In other words... Win him by your words and your deeds. Let your deeds speak louder than your words. If he grumbles and grumps, just keep loving him. Now that's a hard, that's a hard act to follow, isn't it? He's over there going, Oh, sweetie, I love you. Don't tell me out here. You know? <laughs> you know why you're laughing? Because you know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you're, as you're doing that in and of itself, and you're expressing the reality of God's love to him. Before we were saved, what, we, what were we like to our Heavenly Father? But it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's that place when we realize that I'm a wretched man, that who am I who deliver me from this body of death? It's Christ Jesus when I realize that he did it for me, that I am a dirty dirt bag, and yet he still loves me, he still cares for me, he's still loving me, even as messed up as I am, he's still there. See, that's what your life is like when you're sharing with your husband in that place. And by doing so, you will preach louder than any preacher could ever preach. As you as you do the word of God, be a doer as you're doing the word of God. Because see, he's going to see the truth of God's love. He's going to see the truth of God's word being demonstrated in your life. Paul said this, I didn't come to you in persuasive words, uh, but in the power of the spirit. The demonstration and the power of the spirit. That's what happens in a home. When a wife has, has, has got saved and her husband hasn't, if she demonstrates, she does it, it's that act of doing that. Because, see, the Holy Spirit takes that action. I like to look at the mechanics of God. I like to see how he does things. 
And when I see the mechanics of God working in that life, I see that person and that person is responding and what's happening, the truth of God's word is being lived out right there in front of them. They don't even know it. You're a secret agent. <laughs> You're bringing, and, and I think it was one of the guys up in, 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 in New York, he says, we're spiritual terrorists. We, we've unleashed a bomb and we don't know when it's going off, but the word of God will, won't come back void. And when it goes off, it goes off and that guy goes, whoa! Here's the scripture to back that up. It's not just my opinion. What I'm Here's the scripture. Gary and I were talking about this the other day. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. You are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read by all men. Clearly you are an epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of flesh, that is, of the heart. We can apply this to everything in our lives, but it applies greatly in a relationship with a saved wife and an unsaved husband or a saved husband and an unsaved wife. People are won to Christ by the truth of God's love. People are won to Christ because God said, this is the way, walk in it. God, we're, we, we are one. I was one because of God's great love. See, it's the truth of love being lived out in our lives that is the testimony, that it is the witness. And that's what Jesus said. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. If he is the one lifted up in the conversation and in action of life, that's what's going to draw them. You can go and hammer them all day long with all kinds of other scriptures. But if it's the demonstration of the word and the power of the word being lived out in our lives, that's what's going to win them. You know, you can go about in life and you can draw all kinds. Of, it's called sheep stealing. You ever, you ever heard that? Sheep stealing? You can, you can, you can uh, be a... a one of the shepherds that steals other sheep. We don't want to steal other sheep. We want, we, we, they come in and go out. Go out with joy, be led forth in peace. We are not sheep stealers. What we are is we're sheep begetters. Sheep beget sheep. When we do evangelism, we, we, we want to be ministered to. We want to be encouraged. We want to know the things for our own personal lives, how and this is the way to walk in it. We want to know that. But we also have the responsibility to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. And what we do is when we go out there, it won't happen if it's just, if you're hammering them with the word. What wins them is the written epistle that's to be known and read by all men. That's what wins them. We're to win them to Christ. We're to bring them to Christ. We're to, then once they're won, what do we do? We grow them up. We, we begin to show them when, when, when Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and life, we begin to show them what that means. And that's called discipleship, showing what that, all that means. So Peter going on here in verses 3 and 4, I, I just want to say women today are under attack. Ladies, you're under attack because of the world. You're being told that if you don't look a certain way, that this isn't beauty 
the Bible addresses beauty in a totally different way as a matter of the heart. So Peter says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. Now, there are those who, you know, tell women, well, you shouldn't focus so much on your appearance. Well, that's not what Peter's saying. You know, Peter doesn't think that way. When he says, don't let your adornment be merely outward, he's not saying not to take care of yourself. If you need to fix your hair, fix your hair. You know, I love what J. Vernon McGee, you all know J. Vernon McGee, right? J. Vernon McGee, he's got some little, little anecdotes that he says. And this is one of them. If the barn needs some paint, put some paint on it. <laughs> and the word adornment here in the Greek is cosmos. We get our word cosmetic from it. So in other words, if the barn needs a little paint, what? Put some paint on it. You know, it's okay. It's okay. But the point of what Peter's saying to the women is, don't let your universe be fixed on your appearance. Don't let it be on your appearance. Instead, to be a Proverbs 31 woman. Now, women, I know that if you have been walking with the Lord long enough, you know what a Proverbs 31 woman is. It's the woman that's a beauty that shows from the heart. And if you're here and you haven't gone through Proverbs 31 and you're a woman, I admonish you to go through it because this is a description that is a blessing and a pleasing to God. But Peter says true beauty is from the heart, like Proverbs 31. In that context of the beauty of the heart, this woman is a woman who's ruled by, the, by godly integrity. Let me say that. She's ruled by godly integrity. What that means is that when she's in her quiet place, when she's all alone, she's allowing God to be the God of her life. Godly integrity is something that's done when nobody else is around. You're, you're still practicing it. And she's gentle. Now, the Greek word here for gentle is praios. And it means strength under control. It's like meekness. Meekness is, has the same meaning as power under control. She's meek. She's gentle. She has strength and under control. In other words, you ever heard of, I've heard women say this. Well, I'm known for speaking my mind. You ever heard that? Especially in the South, right? Yeah. I'm known for speaking my mind. Well, you know what? That's not biblical. That's not biblical. So in other words, she's a woman who's grounded in her walk with the Lord. She has a godly perspective on the things of life and the way she should be living her life. She's not belligerent. She's not defiant. She's not arrogant. She's not argumentative. Whoa. (laughs) How's your feet, ladies? (laughs) But she has a quiet, submissive spirit. She's quiet. She's gentle. And as you notice, Peter says, all of which is precious in the sight of God. These are precious. And to further illustrate his point, Peter goes on concerning the beauty. He uses women of the Old Testament as examples. And so he says, For in this manner in former times, 
the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves being submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid of any terror. Now, Sarah, Sarah had good reason to be uh, afraid in certain circumstances. Her kind of her husband hung her out to be to dry. You know, she he hung her out. But I want you to notice two things as we get into this. Holy women did one thing first. They trusted God. That was their first foundation. You know, that you put that underneath you and you're going to be fine. Then they adorned themselves. They took care of the things of God first. And then they took those things of their selves. You know, um, God will provide all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know. God basically is saying that you take care of my things and I'm going to take care of your things. The first thing is to take care of your godly responsibilities and and relationship. And Sarah, for example, was a beautiful woman. And she had her priorities straight. Sarah's a great example. Now, she faltered just like any one of us have, but she first submitted to God and then she submitted to her husband. You remember the story of Abraham and and Pharaoh there in Genesis 12? How Abraham was uh, afraid of Pharaoh and he was afraid that he was going to kill him. And the reason why is because his wife was so beautiful. And so he lied about who she was. He said, she's my sister. And so the, the, the Pharaoh, he goes, well, here's another one I can put in my harem. So he takes Sarah and he puts Sarah in his harem. And Sarah submits. Now, who's she submitting? She's submitting to Abraham because Abraham didn't say anything. He didn't watch out for her. He didn't protect her. Now, I'm looking at this and which one was exercising the faith here? Sarah. Abraham had faltered here. Now, he's the man that we know that is the example of faith. And according to his faith, God accounted it to him as righteousness. So we see the focus, but we've, a lot of times we skip over little Sarah here. Sarah, in the midst of all this, she never could have obeyed Abraham if she had not first been a woman of faith, a woman of God, a woman who put her trust in God. She couldn't go through this hard time. And I'm telling you what, it was a hard time for her. I don't want to tell you, ladies, Looking at her example and Abraham's example, your husband isn't always going to make the right decision. Yeah, I see ladies. <laughs> you know, you know. Also, submission. She submitted. Submission isn't something new. Submission is biblical. It's God. He's putting it, and it's a practice that's been practiced by godly women for centuries. And so it's a standard for women in the way that they live. Now, uh, women today, you know, they're, you know, not outside of the body of Christ I'm talking about. The influence of the world. You can't tell me to do that. I know my own person. You who you think you are? Who died and made you boss? I'm sorry. God said he is. Sarah could have used her good, work, her, her good looks to manipulate the situation, but he, she didn't. Instead, 
She trusted God to work out the details of her husband's mistakes. That's a hard one, folks. She trusted God to work out the details of her husband's mistakes. Now, that's a scary thing. That's a scary situation. He was afraid. She's taken. She's put in a harem. She's all by herself. She's not being protected. That's a scary thing. She's, she's trusting. And who's she trusting? She's trusting. And she went as far as to even call him in this situation, in this time, to call him Lord. That means you're covering me. Well, she trusted God in this. Sarah's at a low point here. She hadn't seen the fulfillment of the promised son yet. She hadn't seen that. And still she submitted to Abraham and what Abraham was leading and guiding and what he did. And she even called him Lord there in Genesis 18, 12. What a challenge for women today as I was looking at this. You imagine you have a husband who would forsake you. Imagine a husband that would sit back and just wouldn't care what happened to you, you know. How would you feel? The world today would tell you, you know, gee, he's worthless. He's a bum. Get rid of him. Dump him, you know. And a lot of women do, right? Well, that's what this, not what the scripture says. Sarah may have laughed, but she believed God would take care of the things that she couldn't take care of. She believed God would take care of the things that she couldn't take care of. That he would be the one who would straighten things out. Sometimes it just, you, you, you don't see it. How can this work out? How is this going to, I, I don't see it. Well, the Lord promises, I'm going to do great and mighty things that you don't even know. There's a work that God does and the scripture says he's always working. He never slumbers, never sleeps. He's always working behind the scenes to work out your good according to his riches and glory. He's there working in you. He promises to be there. And that's why Peter uses her as an example for the kind of faith a woman, a wife should have. And now he turns his attention to the husband. Guys, you're not off the hook. <laughs> He's going to talk to men about their faith and their example and their submission. Wait a minute. I thought that was just the wife. No, no, no. He uses, he used six verses to deal with the wife. Now, in dealing with the husband, he's only going to use one. Why do you think this, he did that? Why do you think that was so? Well, I believe it was because God knew the wife was going to need all the help she could de get dealing with her husband, you know. So he says in verse 7, Husbands likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together <coughs> of the grace of life, that your prayers, speaking to the husband, that your prayers may not be hindered. Okay, guys. Notice here, right up at the beginning, he says to us, Husbands, Likewise, what's he saying? Well, I just talked about it. <laughs> We're talking about the woman, everything about her. We're supposed to first submit to God and trust God at our very foundation of what we do. And like Sarah, because she's the example, and he says, likewise, like Sarah, 
Trusting God to do the things for us that we can't do. Trust Him. The things that we can't work out, trust Him. There's things about it that we don't understand. Sometimes it's hard. Um, we don't understand everything about our wives. You know, I, I don't. I'm still learning. And this year it's going to be my 50th anniversary. And I'm still learning stuff. I'm still learning. And it's like, don't you understand that? See, it's turning and trusting in what God says. This is the way, walk in it. If he says to sit back and shut up, <laughs> I shut up. You know, if he says, go this way, go that way, do this, do that, take her out to dinner, go let her buy something, do whatever, let her do it. Ladies are going, yes! <laughs> now, the word understanding here is the Greek word gnosis. It literally means knowledge. Okay, so why is he saying that? In other words, he's talking to the husband to know your wife. Know your wife. If husbands would take time to get to know their wives, they would have less problems. I'm busy. I got too many things to go. I got to go out there. And, gonna, and they let the distractions of the world get them away from knowing their wife. The wife, you know what the Lord has told me lately? 50 years now. Lately, just listen. It's all she wants you to do is listen. She needs a sounding board. She needs to be able to bounce things off of you. She's not really looking for an answer from you. She just wants to have you know that you care enough to listen to her. Know your wife and the things that make up who she is. Why does she respond that way? I don't know. I don't know. And we're to honor her. And the word honor here means precious value. In other words, value what she says. Learn to value what she says. There's two times when Abraham is dealing with Sarah. One time God says, why did you listen to Sarah? Then the next time he says, why didn't you listen to Sarah? Value what she says. Your, wor- your wife has value your wife has value in her perspective as she walks with the Lord. She has value of perception spiritually that you may not see. She's to be the most valuable person in your life besides your relationship with God. The understanding or the knowing part is that she is the weaker vessel. Oh, didn't like that. Well, let, let, me, t- let me go on. Don't get out the stones and stone me yet. That doesn't mean that she's intellectually, morally, or spiritually inferior. That's not what it's saying. I want to say the other side of it. Women are just naturally more spiritual than men. Women are just naturally more spiritual than men. They get it. They hear it. They respond to it. And us guys are going, duh. (laughs) I mean, Susie will say something. She'll point out something to me. And I go, wow, I didn't even see that. They're spiritually more sensitive to us. Now, her strength is her weakness. Her strength is her weakness. Example. It was Eve who was first attacked in the garden. Spiritual attack. Spiritual response. 
spiritual encounter. It was Eve who was first attacked. It was Eve who first gave in to temptation. She is spiritual. Where was Adam? Duh, you know. Because of her great sense of spirituality, she is the one who's more vulnerable. Her strength is her weakness. So husbands, understand, just because she's a little more out of sorts today, pray for her, love her, protect her, be gentle to her, be kind to her. Because you don't know, she may be under some kind of spiritual attack. Be there, give her the benefit of the doubt. Remember what Paul said to the Ephesians in Ephesians 5.25, and I, I wasn't able to get this up there. But if you've been in the Word enough, you know this verse by heart. Husbands, love your wife like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Husbands, sacrifice it's saying there. You want to do something, you want to go play golf, and she wants to go shopping, you know what you should be doing? You should be going with her and going shopping. And all the women go, yeah! And the guys go, hmm! But know this, she's not only your wife, she's your sister in the Lord. And as Peter says here that being together, being heirs together, in other words, he's saying that you're both going to inherit the blessings of grace of eternal life. You're going to be in heaven with each other, so you better get to know each other right here and right now in a good way. So let grace be flavored in your words. But notice his warning here as we finish. By not doing so, you can, it can hinder your own prayers. By not giving her grace, by not looking upon her with grace, it can hinder us. So Peter has set up two things here. He's talked to the women and how they should be in submission and how they should follow the example of Sarah, but he's also taken the men and he's saying, this is how you build a good relationship, a good foundation in the home. And you, you, you build your house on this foundation. Storms are going to come. If you're married, I'm going to ask you, how many of you are married and have never been in a fight with your wife or your husband? Hey, we're all on the same page, aren't we? And it's in those moments I need, I need the good shepherd. She needs the good shepherd. Soft answer turns away wrath. Speaking gentle words to one another. The flesh wants to do the harsh thing, doesn't it? The flesh wants to sit back and bolt out. Well, what are you talking about? And it just escalates. But the soft answer turns away wrath. Every time I lose control and I start to go, Susie just goes, okay, sweetie. But you know, I want her to respond. I want her to, let's get into this. She doesn't want to get into it. She just goes sweet, gentle. And then later on, I'm convicted. I go, that was not cool. That was not good. I'm sorry, sweetie. Yeah, amen. Three things that should take place. I'm sorry. Forgive me. 
I love you. If you respond with those three things from the heart, it's going to bring healing. It's going to bring healing to your situation. Men, you're not only the priest, prophet, and provider of the home, you're the protector. You're the one to watch over. You're the one to govern. You're the one that God has called you to watch over and be that good shepherd that watches over the the flock of your home. And that includes your wife. So this was a boogie batch that we had this morning, you know, concerning relationships. But, you know, as for me, uh, Scripture said that the farmer is the first partaker of the fruit. Well, I've been kind of feeding on a lot of this, and it's been good. It's been good. Lord, I thank you for this morning. And I pray that, Father, you would take this word that you, that you say to hide it in our hearts that we may not sin against you, Lord. So I pray that you would take this now and, and bring us to that place of just saying, yes, Lord, forgive me and acknowledging that I have, I have walked short either as a husband or as a wife, but I need your help. As Sarah did, Lord, as she turned to you and even in those things she couldn't work out, that you were there and she trusted you to work those things out. Lord, I pray that we could do that and bring that love and joy and peace into our homes and just fill our homes with your, your presence. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Let's all stand together. being alive in our hearts Lord we look to you Lord we want to hear from you Lord it's it's not man's voice we want to hear it's yours so God I pray that as we are walking today we could hear this is the way walk in it and that we would respond in Jesus name the Lord bless thee and keep thee the lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee and be gracious unto thee the lord lift up 
his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. Let the peace of God rule your hearts and minds in Christ and in your homes. God bless. Shalom.